Hi. Actually, I, let me let me do this instead. You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blue. My name is Oz Davis. I'll be the co-host for the show. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, and I'm afraid I must admit, my superior in fantasy football, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how you doing? Good. Still working on defending my championship, so, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry you got in the way. It's just one of those things. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like the Ottawa Red Blacks, huh? Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was the Ottawa Red Blacks this week. New Joe's Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Joe, you're doing pretty well in this league, right? You're in in the CFL podcast network fantasy football league. Uh, you're in like fourth or fifth, right? Out of seventeen. Yeah, it's a bunch of us are at two and zero, oh, and then point differential get or point differential gets involved, right? And such so, right? Yeah, I'm just waiting for a few of those others to drop off of the unde- uh, on out of the undefeated, so I could take my rightful spot at first place. <laughs> Listen to this. I got to say I got to say it now cuz I know that the downfall is coming. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might as well get in your your chops now. Unfortunately, uh in CFL pickup you're only 2 and 2 this week. I think I think you were chasing a 4 and 0, weren't you? Didn't well, you go 4 and 0 well, in week 1? No, I went 3 and 1. Oh no, you took Montreal. Yes, that's right in week 1. That's right. No, now you know what I was two and two, I believe. Uh, let me just verify that though. In week one, uh, no, two you and two Hamilton? Last, this last week. Nope, two yes. and two this last week. Yep, I know you were two and two this week because <laughs> you had Winnipeg and you had the easy game. <laughs> so I remember you went two and two, but so I beat you in CFL Pick'em this week, but uh, I'm not actually officially playing CFL Pick'em this year because. I always forget to do it. So I'm not forgetting my fantasy football team, though. I've already filled out my roster for this week. As have I. Oh, good. Good, good. But I'll, I'll definitely have to go back and check because last week I almost ran with Meyer at quarterback anyway, just taking the risk. And I think he was the only Stan Peters quarterback that didn't play. So I was happy. Sounds, sounds about right on that front. <laughs> I was happy. <laughs> to have gone back and changed that one. I mean, the over-under on Stampeder, Stampeder's taking a direct snap was like, what, one and a half? <laughs> they beat that by a long shot. So, All right, so before we get into last week's games and uh, next week's games, the futility of picking them, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the, they announced this today as we record this today is uh, Tuesday, June 21. They announced today the members of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame and museum, I guess, class of 2022. And just wanted to give a quick shout out uh, in terms of players, a friend of the show, quarterback Ricky Ray gets in. That's got to be his first ballot, right? That's got to be his first ballot. Yep. Yeah. And longtime Montreal Alouette slash two-time Grey Cup winner, linebacker Chip Cox. 
Oh, yes. He, okay. Yeah, it says here he's also first ballot. So good for them. Kudos to them. It says here they will be joined by kicker Paul McCollum. All right. Kickers are people, too. Most excellent that they acknowledge McCollum. Uh, fullback Tim Tyndale, Dick Thornton, who played on both sides of the ball. Uh, to be included in the builder category, it says here, will be CFL head coach Dave Ritchie, Calgary Colts founder and former GM Keith Evans, and longtime CFL t- team executive Roy Shivers. So I guess they're going into the Hall of Fame in September. But I have to admit I was a little bit confused because what were they doing at the Calgary-Hamilton game this week? I believe they were doing the inductions for the ones that for, for 2020 and 2021 right. okay. that they couldn't get them all together due to COVID before in these past couple of seasons. So I, right. I know okay. that they did a whole, whole bunch of that this weekend and you know more than me as to when they're going to put this class in. So it said September. So yeah, this is yeah listed for September. Okay. Okay. Cause I was like, damn, I know I saw Henry Burris there. He was interviewed and everything. I know he got into the hall of fame and they're already putting more guys into the hall of fame. What's going on here? So I, I kind of like didn't understand. I had some cognitive dissonance when I saw this uh, story today. So, all right. So let's get into last week's games real quick. Now, I don't know, Joe, we were talking about this before the show. Now, you tell me that there was actually a CFL game last Thursday night because, I don't know, I was watching, you know, NBA game six championship game. And uh, because, you know, I didn't I didn't hear anything about a football game that night. Is this true? There was indeed a football game, and it <laughs> may have been. It may have been. Ugh. When we look back on this season ten years Ugh. from now, it may have been a franchise-changing game. Wow. Okay. All right. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, okay. All right. I admit it. I watched it. I watched it. Toronto Argonauts 20, Montreal Alouettes 19. I don't know if it's franchise changing, man, but this was a gut-wrenching loss. This is just another way to make Alouettes fans just disappointed and sad. I mean, the whole time this podcast has been running, Joe, with the exception of a few weeks last year, when I and a few other people deludedly thought that this team could get to the Great Cup. Um, this team has found creative ways to let us down. Um, in this game, they did one of the classic things for the Alouettes to do, which is bring in a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's That's been a classic solution for the Alouettes for, well, since we won the last Great Cup, I'd say. Uh, let's see. So looking at the notes, right? So, you know, four plays in, Vernon Adams is out. There's Trevor Harris in, and I don't really want to root for Trevor Harris as an Alouettes fan. 
you know, they dig themselves enough of a hole. So it's 19 to nine going into the fourth quarter. You know, they, they go down again by, you know, they, we, we get, we get the field goal. Now, now I'm confusing this with the other game. We get the field goal. So they take it down to a touchdown. We get to enjoy Boris Beattie missing a field goal. Okay. 53 yards. Fair enough. That's a long field goal. And, uh, you know, the Alouettes get rouged anyway. So you know, we're still giving up the point. Um, you know, I'm starting to get one over by Trevor Harris. You know, he had that really nice sneaky run at six minutes left. You know, uh, he had a nice connection with Lewis uh, when we needed to in with about with less than two minutes left. I want to say at that point. Um, and, you know, sure enough, we get. Oh, wait. So what? So. We get the touchdown off of this drive, off of the drive with about six minutes left. And I'm starting to get one over. And then <laughs> on the two-point conversion to tie up the game, Harris completely overthrows Winicky, who's wide open in the on the right side of the end zone. And then there's the missed field goal, which, geez, what happened? I mean... <laughs> I mean, okay. As a no death perception guy, I could have made that attempt. You know, I mean, like, like that was the way that it would have looked if I had attempted that. Right. So, so I don't know what happened here. I mean, you know, this is a chip shot. The Alouette should have won this by one point. End of story. I mean, like, okay. We could talk a little bit about the Argonauts because, of course, this is the first game they played this season. But <laughs> here are the Alouettes, zero and two, could be two and zero. I guess the good news is we're in second place in the East. Uh, what's uh, what did you mean by this is a franchise-changing game? Well, the trajectory of the franchise, I'm thinking more so. Uh, because you have two quarterbacks in hand there, right? You have Vernon Adams and you have Trevor Harris. You know Trevor Harris is going to get you around 500 somewhere. That's been his MO his entire career. He hasn't been a starter of a team that's won like 13 or 14 games, has he? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, you know he's good. You know he's going to keep you competitive. He's going to keep you in games. Vernon Adams is a wild card. He can win you 13 games or he could win you five. But making the decision that early into the game to take Adams out signals to me that it was clear that he was on his last legs as the guy in Montreal. They're going to pull him that early without an injury being a part of things. So they're clearly leaning toward Harris, and Harris is going to get a chance to establish himself this next week since Adams is out with COVID. So if Harris has a good game, he's going to be the guy going forward, and that's the end of Vernon Adams in Montreal. Um, Now, even if Adams gets back as a starter later this year, it's been made clear that... He will. Yeah, but it's been made clear that the confidence is not there in him anymore as to be the guy, to be the guy that drives the franchise. Uh, 
So wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you pull him in the third quarter after twenty attempts and a rough and a really rough showing, yeah. understood. We know he's an up and down quarterback, but after, but in the middle of the first quarter, it's clear you have no more confidence in him. It's clear that Kari Jones is on the hot seat. There's going to be a lot of changes. Really, the team that answered the question first of what is your season going to be like was the Montreal Alouettes. And uh, I would just recommend Oz that you hang on. It's going to be a bumpy ride. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, it's like you said, 500, right? That's your ceiling. Now your floor is not much lower, but that's your ceiling at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking during this game that, yeah. Okay. So now it's Trevor Harris, but, Vernon Adams is going to play a couple of games before the season is over. It's an 18 game season. Sure. It's but it's also game two and you're changing him out in the first quarter because yep. you lost confidence in him. Yep. Oh no, 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 no. He's going to come in toe in that second half of the season because of an injury to Harris. He's not going to come in because he's winning the job back right. or Harris is losing it. I'm not saying that at all, but I do think, my the optimist bit on you know the left shoulder the right shoulder whichever one it was is was saying okay this is great we actually have two bona fide starting quarterbacks and we know this so that was the good side of that that was the good side of that but yeah maybe vernon adams is a backup quarterback yeah, I mean, the bad side is when you have two quarterbacks that you can't really make a decision on, you don't have a quarterback at all. Right, exactly. Exactly. It's the old adage. Um, okay, well, <laughs> the East being what it is, I can't be too depressed at this point. Still a lot of football left to be played. Speaking of which, the Argos have a little bit more football to play than most other teams in the CFL, but they did win this game. Um, just a quick note, Andrew Harris got a lot of work, uh, 18 carries and three catches, but only 87 yards rushing with a long of 17. And he sat out the fourth quarter. Uh, he's getting some, some work on the sideline there. Um, other than that, how would you, or what were your impressions of the 2022 Toronto Argonauts after this first game? Well, it looks like they were playing their third preseason game, which really, uh, uh, that's the way the first month of the CFL season goes. Is te- so teams come out of the gates at different speeds at different times. Sure. So Toronto got away with not being at their best. They also got a glimpse as to why Winnipeg didn't throw a ton of money out after Andrew Harris at this point. I mean, Harris is going to be a hero in Winnipeg until the day he dies and probably even past that. But a 35 year old running back that had durability issues last year, already showing durability issues this year. I hope they didn't build the offense entirely around him. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Okay. Let's, Let's segue into that then. Winnipeg Blue Bombers 19, Ottawa Red Blacks 12. Um, how do you like the coming of the um, 
running game. How, how do you think it's coming along here in Winnipeg? Slowly, slowly. I mean, they are still leaning on it. Uh, lots of carries in the game. Brady Oliveira had 14. Johnny Augustine had, I want to say, seven. So they were definitely still leaning on the running game. So uh, mm-hmm. they got a couple different couple of running backs with different abilities so yes finding the best combination of the two is going to take some tweaking it's going to take a little bit of work i was really glad to see that they gave augustine the ball a lot more in the fourth quarter when they were devoted to the run because i feel like augustine is a bit more of a pure runner he's a little bit more um it's got a little bit more of a burst to him uh but the, and he did show some good skills and pass protection which has been the knock on him from what i've heard uh brady seems to be a little bit more of a uh, all-purpose type back where he can do just about everything well so we're gonna we're gonna see how the balance between the two goes but it's really nice to have two guys you can rely on in case one goes down Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see by about mid-season where they fall on who gets more work well, this is the CFL. It'll probably be situational, right? You would think so. Yes, I think when they get into when they get into situations where they where the other team knows they're going to be running, probably go with Augustine just because he's more likely to be able to slip through a crack and and show a little bit of an extra burst and get through and get through that line. Uh, whereas Oliveira is just a little bit more uh, consistent in his speed from what I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll ride with Oliveira one more week in fantasy. <laughs> I mean, um, they're cheap. They're cheap. They're both yeah. cheap. And it's not yeah. a terrible idea to like combine them, but just yeah. know you're going to get one running backs worth of production out of a two slots. So it just depends on how you're feeling on the rest of your slots and how, right. Uh, and how much you believe you're going to get out of your receivers before you make that play. Right. Yeah. Running back though, right now, if you're playing the CFL DFS game is pretty dicey. I mean, it seemed to me that something like five out of the top seven or eight most expensive guys are injured. So you're, uh, you're looking for bargains. I think at running back already in CFL because the only decent quarterbacks are also getting pretty expensive too. As we got to quit coming back to fantasy here. Um, I just wanted to ask you as a bombers guy, were you concerned with how it seemed as though the Bombers offense could never really hit that higher gear in this game? I mean, the defense was ridiculous. You know, this looked like, again, the Bomber defense we've seen in the past couple of years. But I don't know, that offense seemed really low watt this week. And they were, and they felt that way the week before, too. Yeah. But ask me again and ask me again in a month week five because yeah. they've seen they've seen ottawa twice now mm-hmm. ottawa's coaching staff has a pretty good feel of them especially with paul opolis being their head coach i'm sure he spent a lot of time on the offense getting jeremiah mazzoli plays that worked for him which yes they worked until he got inside the 20 but i digress on that um, but i'm sure he also lent his expertise as to uh, what his protege would be calling on offense to get, help get the defense set. And it's a defense that nobody's seen because before, because it's been put pasted together um, 
all over the offseason. So nobody's really gotten a good look at this Ottawa defense yet. So we don't know quite yet how good they are and how much they caused the disruption or whether it was Winnipeg just not firing on all cylinders. It's probably some combination of both somewhere, but give me a couple more games to feel out how Ottawa's defense does against other teams and how Winnipeg's offense does against other teams. And then I'll tell you whether I'm worried about Winnipeg's offense or not. Okay. Talking of the red blacks, uh, I don't mean to go to the fantasy football well yet again, but I'm going to about halfway through this game. I had the uh, moment, you know, for years on this show, years, I've been blasting Jeremiah Masoli, right, for being this stat guy whose, you know, success does not necessarily translate to wins. Well, here you go. <laughs> In this game, 27 of 38 for 331 yards. Okay, no touchdowns, no picks. That's 13.54 fantasy points. Well, you know, here's Cody Fajardo over here, you know, pretty much in control the whole game against Edmonton. Uh, One touchdown, no picks. His fantasy score is 14.9. Now, come on. (laughs) Obviously, the pick in fantasy is Mazzoli, right? Unfortunately, the Red Blacks are a bye this week. I'm, I'm very slow with these things. I'm very slow with these things. Anyway, for me, also, guess what? Kind of a familiar story for the Red Blacks, right, Joe? 12 points in total. All of them scored on field goals. Um, Will we see offense from the Red Blacks this year? I mean, like like scoring offense? I think we will. It's, okay. Again, this is an offense put together piece by piece during the offseason. There's not a lot of cohesion from last year. They have looked capable of moving the ball. Unless unless they had they unless they uh unless their fran- their franchise's propensity to stall in the red zone is going to continue continue to a whole new batch of guys maybe it's the uniforms who knows maybe they need to change them but unless that's going to keep going they're going to start putting up some points well mazzoli is the quarterback though (laughs) you know i sure and trevor harris was our quarterback for the years and years that we talked talked about hey ottawa scored a lot of field goals and not a lot of touchdowns yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I guess. I don't know, though. For now, Lewis Ward is still in the running for team MVP, uh, MOP for sure. And isn't um, he always? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And just when we thought we were going to have to go on CFL Twitter and start arguing about how the games are boring, about how there's no offense. Here comes Calgary Stampeders 33, Hamilton Tiger Cats 30 in overtime with these very wacky, fast-paced um, overtime rules. Um, I'm going to go to the well one more time. What was what was your experience watching the show? Did you catch it live? I did not catch this one live. Uh, went out after went out on Saturday morning with the family and didn't come back until late. So I did catch the ending, though. 
I did. <laughs> I, I was following it on Twitter as I could. Oh, okay. Hamilton's cool. up big. Come back about a quarter later. Okay, well, we'll see. And come back to about five minutes to go, and it's like oh, I better, I better find a way to, to, to catch the last bit of this. So, thankfully, my phone has the ESPN app on it, and I followed through that no. way. Um, okay. And yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> some ending, and it kind of gave me flashbacks last December for some reason at the very, very end. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, the TSN boys were all over that comparison too, man. It was, yeah, it was, I don't know. I thought it was pretty ridiculous comparing, you know, a great cup situation against the defending champs versus, you know, a week two game, you know, in Hamilton. And I mean, yeah, I know they needed the win, but probably not as much in the, you know, no next year. Sure, but literally. Literally the last two games, two yeah. games that have counted sure. at Tim Hortons Field yep. in have Hamilton, ended yep. Yep. with a tip pass like interception yep. in overtime against Hamilton. <laughs> That's pretty nutty. Uh, I don't I don't care. I honestly don't care who you are. That you gotta think of that as a guy and go, hmm, that's pretty weird. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. <laughs> I enjoyed it for many reasons. I uh okay. So again. Like, all right, I was I was telling Joe this before the show that I'm on this incredible tear and I'm jinxing myself right now because I still haven't tested myself again since this Calgary Hamilton game. But uh, OK, so going into this game, I had won five straight NBA playoff games. I'd won all five and then I won both of the last two uh, World Cup qualifiers and right? I won bets on both of those. OK, so I'm eight. No, and I'm winning like multiple bets on these games as well. Like, I haven't dropped a thing. Like, I've won something like 22 bets in a row, literally, going into this game. Okay, so I've got Calgary to win, like I said on the show, right? It's the the line stayed at plus one the whole week. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the money line. I'm going to get a few more bucks, right? (laughs) Hamilton goes up 24 to nothing. I'm like, okay, off. I turned and it remember, off. And remember, I told you I had a gut feeling about that. <laughs> Apparently, it was only good for the first half. But still, uh, I had a gut feeling they're going to come out this game and do something. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, they came out flat on both ends of the ball. The defense was shockingly asleep. Uh, really bad. Really bad in that first half. And... Uh, <laughs> And then, so the next morning, you know, I'm like, I'm thinking about playing poker. So I'm looking at my bankroll and it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is there a mistake? And I go back and I look at the score. And then, so then I'm watching it on the replay on ESPN plus. And, uh, you know, I had this bizarre disconnect because again, like the third quarter, nothing really is changing significantly. And then finally, in the fourth quarter, it's, you know, bow time. Uh, now, Bo Levy Mitchell and his offense wasn't as awesome. It wasn't as flawless as it has been in these fourth quarters lately. But, geez, okay, so 11 for 16 for 119 yards and one touchdown in the fourth quarter? That's that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, he had one, two and out in there where he threw two incompletes, bam, bam. But that was fine because they got Hamilton to go out too. So, um, 
really nice. Really just showing kind of the veteran team. Now here's Hamilton. And if you're watching the game, much can be made about the fact that they couldn't convert these second downs, these third downs, their conversion numbers actually aren't that bad, but the two that they didn't make, you know, this, I mean, when Schiltz couldn't make a third and two, they went for it on third and two and he got forward progress, but still couldn't make it. That's when the game turned around. That's when Calgary started scoring the other time. Uh, I don't think it was Schultz. I think it was Evans hit that pile <laughs> and he just got the ball taken out of his hands. I mean, like what happened to Hamilton playing fundamental football? It clearly didn't play fundamental football in the fourth quarter. That's for sure. Right. Right. I mean, they fell apart on the basic plays and then they fell asleep in the second half. Now, now look, some of that has to do with Bo and his receivers running some sweet routes because man, I mean, they looked like they were always open out there in that fourth quarter. So I got to put some of it on just the stamps having been there, but geez, I thought the tiger cats had been there. I mean, was was Jagarit Davis that big a loss? I mean, what? Look, this team, this team in this game, they had one pick and one sack. In the first game, they had zero picks and zero sacks. Like, this is not the aggressive Ty Cats defense we've seen. And you can talk to me about preseason and whatnot, but geez, I mean, this, <laughs> how do you give up a twenty-four nothing lead? Yeah, that's inexcusable. I don't care. I don't care if it's the first game of the preseason or the last yeah. game of the season. You, yeah. You, if you're up that big, I know we talk about no lead is safe. I mean, that's a, that's a great marketing tool. But at the same time, a 24-point lead should be safe if you play fundamentally solid. You move the ball, eat up some clock, score a couple points that would help too, but even then your defense should be able to clamp down for you at that 24 points uh, to, to drop that kind of a deficit. They were, up by, they were up 24 to three with half of the third gone. Yeah. They had so a quarter tw- and a so half. So 21 points in lead. what, 20 minutes? Quarter like and a half. Point, it's like a point a minute they're giving up. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, and, you know, to go I back s- to your, and to go back to your gambling storyline, what's the number for your hotline now that you're going to be charging 99 cents a minute on? <laughs> nah, I just got on a nice run. Sometimes you just feel it. Sometimes you just, I just, but see, <laughs> that's my secret of sports betting. A lot of guys, man, they see that those games coming up on the slate and it's like, okay, I got to bet something. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you do not. And you should not get outside your comfort zone. I'm not going to bet, you know, uh, hockey or KBO baseball just because I want to bet something. No way. No way, dude. Just like don't bet everything every week, man. It's folly. So 
like I said, I don't even see. We're going to talk about the lines a little bit later for next week's games, but I don't even see anything particularly appealing this week. So I do not have anything resembling a gambling problem. I'm too cheap. I'm too cheap. <laughs> uh, I just want to say at the beginning of the year, I really, I am. That's that's the secret. I don't want to lose this money. I don't want to spend this money. Um, actually, I'm, I'm actually going to invest a, a, a nice little chunk of change here in a basketball sim. So I can't can't afford to lose too much betting on CFL. So I'm about to say goodbye, Joe, because I'm about to disappear for a couple of weeks playing basketball. Um, At the beginning of the year, I said that I I think that this is going to be a bit of a year of reckoning for Hamilton, wondering if the window hasn't closed a little bit. I don't know. These first two games do not bode well for them this season. (laughs) <laughs> you know, not unlike the Alouettes, but hey, at least we have a backup quarterback to go to. Um, moving on to Halifax isn't in the league yet, right? <laughs> Depends on who you ask. I thought I was missing a game. All right. Saskatchewan Rough Riders 26, Edmonton Elk 16. I guess the Riders kind of played with the foot off the pedal a little bit, huh? Because my question for you on this one, Joe, is how did the Riders not score more points? I mean, Fajardo was almost flawless, 20 of 24 for 247 with one TD and zero picks. Um, They ran the ball at will. Jamal Morrow, breakout game for him, right? 126 yards on 17 carries, a touchdown. He, He caught a couple of catches. He had a couple of kickoff returns. And last season, this is a guy who had, you know, 79 yards of offense all season. And so now, you know, this 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 dude, at least in this game, probably going forward, he's a real force for the offense. So was it just a case of, you know, we're looking ahead to next week because this is the Elks? Uh, quite possibly. But I mean, I've spent the last little while on the writer's case because I think they lack a killer instinct and to be fair, that's something I was saying about the Bombers a few years ago, too, before they found it. Before they uh, proved it. Before they proved that they had it, yes. Mm-hmm. But that was always something I was that bothered me about the Bombers. They would always take the teams that they should, that, you know, they should, the teams that they should have ran away from, they never would. And they'd play the tough teams really tough, but come up a little bit short there, too, and low chances to put those games away and it just feels like that riders team is in that spot right now where they're good enough to give the best teams a scare but then sometimes they have performances where when they're facing the team that's that i don't think you're going to have much argument from uh, that's clearly the worst team in the league right now uh when they don't, when they come out and are losing to go into the fourth quarter against them, that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say they lack a killer instinct. They should have, I'm not saying they should have put up 59 or 60 points like BC did last week. I mean, they were on the road to be fair. They're in Edmonton, uh, but you wouldn't expect them, a team of their caliber to be down to Edmonton going into the fourth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they rectified the situation. They did find a way to make it comfortable in the end for themselves. Yeah. But even so, I don't think they should have been in that position in the first place, but no. I, I credit where it's due. They did end up winning the game and 
didn't even have to suffer through a scare of a last minute drive to hold it all together. Yeah, see, I I was never really in doubt with this one. And I hadn't seen the score beforehand. <laughs> but really, I just wasn't scared. I mean, I mean, again, Fajardo was really, really good in this game. I mean, he only he only ended up passing to six different receivers. I mean, he only had 20 completions, right? But you know, it it was it, it was really just just I mean, it was almost he had a choice on some of these plays, you know, which receiver he wanted to hit. I mean, it was just just a, a, a nice show by him. And I, I was just kind of again, I was just kind of surprised that they didn't, you know, take command of this thing earlier. But I do think you're right. I've had this vibe from them pretty much since Fajardo took over. This is not this is not a shark team, right? This is not they're not smelling blood in the water in these games. So we'll see if, if they're still in the running later in the season, although I'm starting to wonder if they will be, um, if they kind of display that killer instinct a little bit more. But Yeah, they did this last week, too, against the Hamilton team that clearly wasn't firing on all cylinders. And to be fair, the Riders' defense was causing them not to fire on all cylinders. But they let Hamilton stay in the game way, 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 way too long last week, too. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. Yeah. Judging judging from about half of this week's uh this past week's game. Yeah. Um, what did you did you take away anything from the Eskimo up uh, from the elk side of the ball, other than this team should really open up the playbook beyond Kenny Lawler a little bit. It's going to take some time. <laughs> it's going to take some time for anything in that team to gel. I mean, they're already playing musical roster spots, three cuts, three pickups this week. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take a while again for them to take, to take all the talent they have and mesh it into some sort of to any sort of cohesive unit. So then staying in the game, them being competitive this week was definitely a step in the right direction. They got a lot of steps though before they even come up on on consistently competitive. So I'm not going to be too, too excited about one week showing that you're at least in the game. I want to mm. see that. I want to see that happening more consistently before I'm thinking that they may have taken the first step toward respectability. I'm starting to wonder about Nick Arbuckle a little bit too. I got to admit, I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, you know, you, you, you talk about, doing it consistently and stuff. And it's just, I don't know, you know, again, like Elks gelling, rebuild, whatever, but I don't know. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if by the end of the season, he'll still be starting at Edmonton. I, I don't suspect, think he will be, uh, I suspect and, and, not. And some of it, and, and some of it might not have been his fault. Mm-hmm. And just being, you know, being in the wrong situation, but at the same time, you know, he, he's got a, he's had he's bounced around so much and not really shown a whole lot beyond the time he was in calgary so at some point he's got to show teens why they want to bring him back bring him around and give him shots and a lot and again a lot of it's not his fault but and he's been in some pretty rotten situations but he's got he's got to go do some of this on his own 
Well, yeah, I feel like, but but what struck me during this game, probably when he's throwing the second interception, was that again, this guy feels like a second, a, a, a CFL number two quarterback. That's what he feels like. He feels like the guy that can give you four or five competent games, you know, in that second half of the season in that third third of the season when your quarterback gets injured, but you need to stay competitive. I yep. feel like that's and the guy. I almost feel like Adams is that guy too. And that yeah. very well may be his ceiling. Yes. I know. That's what I feel like after, after, after this game, um, you know, more problems, really only 11 carries outside of our buckles, you know, uh, hit the line thing. Uh, and James Wilder only 40 yards on nine carries. Yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah. Are we going to see a running game in Edmonton before the end of the season? <laughs> Is it possible? Maybe. I mean, <laughs> it's not like they're lacking talent at the running back position, but do they have the offensive play calling to get him into space? And do they have the offensive line that can execute said play calling to help him get into space more often? I don't think either of those things are going to be there. So he could be as talented as he always is and it's not going to show up yeah see not right now i mean if you're handing the if you've got the lead for most of the game but you've still only handed the ball off 11 times yeah see no no you're signaling you don't have the weapons and and you're throwing the ball to kenny lawler 17 times right okay now come on come on now you're 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 basically telegraphing we have no weapons although the elks had one of the highlights of the week on that bomb to arsenal that was great that, that almost justified like having him on your fantasy team, that one play, 66 yards. Unfortunately, he didn't score the touchdown. I was, I was, I was right there. I was like, come on, punch it in. But no, they stopped him. So, all right. Well, woe are the Elks. <laughs> another week, another L for the Elks. Um, in any case, let's go on to, to week three. Now, now you kind of got me excited uh, about Saskatchewan saying that they're going to put a fear of the good teams but lose to the uh, desperate teams. Uh, if, if any team is desperate in week three, it's every team in the East except for uh, Toronto. So Saskatchewan is – wait, let me get the line on this. Saskatchewan are favored, I think, by three. Yeah, Riders are three-point favorites at Montreal. I'm going to go to you first because I'm probably going to pick whatever you don't. Okay, well, you're going to pick the Alouettes then because I'm picking the Riders. Really? And wow. Yeah, okay. I'm picking the Riders because right. they're going to they're gonna spend three quarters letting Montreal think that they're going to be part of this game. And then <laughs> in the fourth quarter, there's going to be one or two big mistakes by Montreal. Saskatchewan's going to capitalize, and that's going to be that. Okay. Okay. So, Winicky, I think, literally had zero catches this past week. Are him and Lewis worth playing in fantasy this week then? I don't think so. Because if they're going to have three good quarters, well, who's going to score? Well, that's it. <laughs> Nobody's going to score. Oh, remember, remember how the first couple of quarters have gone the oh, first couple of weeks of Saskatchewan, right? Like three yeah. quarters in, the opposing team's got like six and 13, and they've got like 12 yeah. and 12 yeah. or whatever. But then the fourth quarter is when Saskatchewan scores two touchdowns and walks away with the game right so it's gonna be like it's gonna be like nine to five heading into the fourth is yeah, what something, you're like that. <laughs> something like that 
<laughs> I did want to say that was one of the that was one of the great things about that uh, Ottawa Montreal game is at the end of the first quarter it was four to three. What a great, just a great CFL score at the end of the first quarter. Um, okay, so okay, yeah, I'll I'll take Montreal plus the three. I mean, I don't know. They, I mean, again, like they could have won at least one of those first two games. I mean, this team should be one and one. So why not this week? I mean, again, like we just signed another uh, halfback, but he won't be here for this game. I don't know if, you know, artist Cameron Payne is even on this plane of existence anymore. Uh, I'm sorry, Cameron Artist Payne. I don't even know what his situation is. He might be on this plane of existence, but he hasn't been on a plane to Montreal. So he's no. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want him on a plane of that existence, you know, in French Canada. So, but I don't know. I don't know. I'll say we have just enough. What the hell? This will probably be it. Take the under. (laughs) <laughs> that's my bet in this game. Whatever I mean, the really, really your the argument for Montreal is that Saskatchewan's on a short week. Yeah, Montreal's at home. Um, who knows? Who knows? This secondary um, hasn't really been tested too much yet. And uh, Fajardo is going to be, I think, I think, a good test for them. I want, I want to see what this secondary does. This secondary might be good. We might be good. And if we can, because Fajardo has looked really slick in these first two games. So if we can get in the path of his passes, yeah, that would be a plus. I think that would be the argument. The defense could win this game for us. I think they're going to have to. I think they're gonna, one or two clutch plays. You know, let, let's see them like just take the ball out of the quarterback's hands as he's trying to get one yard on third down. Let's see that play. I want to see that play. Uh, <laughs> that'll win us the game. All right. So here's an interesting game for you Hamilton Tiger Cats, five point underdogs at Winnipeg. I think I might bet this game because I think. <laughs> This is this, these are obviously my personal biases, but I really think Winnipeg's going to smoke them. I think, I think, I think again, Winnipeg might actually put up some points in the first half in this game, and uh, I think they could pull away in the second half. I'm going to take a nice, emphatic win by the Bombers here. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Uh, I do. I'm feeling just a little bit hesitant about that simply because they didn't blow away Ottawa in the first two games, but they won and won. This past week was a little bit more solid than the week before. The week before Ottawa really dominated that game from start to almost finish. This last week wasn't, wasn't like that. So things are trending up for Winnipeg at this point. I don't, Hamilton's another one of those teams where it's like you had a chance to finish off a, an opponent that was better than you and you just couldn't do it. What makes you think you're going to do it in Winnipeg? We see it all the time, though. We see it all the time in the CFL with these back-to-backs. You know, you may not split, but that second game always ends up being closer than the first game, right? If if the first game is close and Team A wins, then probably B, T, 
team B is going to win that second game. If team A wins by three touchdowns, they're going to win that second game by four points. You know, I mean, it just seems like those gaps close. So I'm going to give a lot of the, uh, the, the close game factor in week two to familiarity of the Red Blacks defense with the Winnipeg offense. Um, and you think this is the week Winnipeg offense blows it open then? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just, again, like Hamilton just, you know, they had that nice run with the wind in that really mostly just the first quarter against Calgary. And, you know, other than that, they have not shown me enough this season. I just, and, and I just wanted to say how much you've changed your tune because two weeks ago you had Winnipeg scoring 35 points. Yeah, I, I do want to see. I want to see them do it once before I'm like, okay, they're going to start doing that again. Well, again, I need I need a couple more weeks of data versus teams not Ottawa yeah, to tell me sure. where to tell me where a Winnipeg is and Ottawa to play teams not Winnipeg to see where they are. Which is why I think that beginning of the year back to back was just stupid. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> well. The secret might be that Ottawa is better than Hamilton. That's where I'm leaning towards. Yeah. I just, I want, I want a little bit more data to, to fill in that gap for me. Of course. That's, that's the smart thing to do. See, Joe is proving that he's a smarter, better than I am. He doesn't bet, but if he had to bet, he would, he would be conservative here. <laughs> uh, Edmonton Elks, nine point underdogs at Calgary. I'm not sure that they can make this point spread high enough. Um, okay. What do you think, Joe? All right. All right. I think the more compelling question here is probably on the over under. Are you expecting a lot of points from both of these teams, one of these teams, or neither? A lot of points from Calgary, not a lot from Edmonton. Okay. Okay. That's where I'm at. Okay. So you're thinking like a like a what like a maybe twenty seven to nine or something like that? More like thirty seven to nine. I mean, this Edmonton well, team. We'll see. This Edmonton team gave up fifty nine to BC. So yeah. now they're going into Calgary. Rivalry game, sure, <laughs> but even rivalry game, which is the type of thing that's going to even even the odds a bit usually, is it going to be enough here? Right. Yeah, yeah, Calgary's going to want revenge for that Flames Oilers series, right? <laughs> They're going to want revenge for that smoke job that the Oilers handed the Flames in the playoffs. All right, so Joe's saying as Cal- all the Calgary fans click delete. <laughs> Cal- so Joe likes Calgary minus the nine. I would, I would probably go that too. The, the only thing that would worry me here is that. I don't know. You know, in the past, even even this goes back a couple of years. Just Calgary is just not the point of minute team that they once were. Um, certainly, they're very efficient on offense when they must be. But I was kind of concerned about how many points and yards the Ticats, uh, the the Stamps allowed against the Ticats last week. I was alarmed by that because the hallmark of this team, even when they don't have much. Is that this is a defense that that hold that pins the opposition for three quarters, while Bo, you know, 
takes his time getting his engine started, you know, but I did not see that in week two. So that's what concerns me is that is that Calgary is not scoring points in truckloads like they used to. And um, so I don't know. 37. Wow. See, that would be more than they've scored all season, wouldn't it? Oh, no. Well, no, they scored 33 last week. Yeah. So. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, they scored 33 and a quarter and a half. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. So l- closing out the week with what could be a really interesting matchup. Not re- well, I kind of have a pony in this race because I'd really like the Toronto Argonauts four and a half point underdogs to lose at BC, obviously. But with somebody without really a major pony in this race, I'm very excited to see BC again. Aren't you, Joe? It'll be interesting. Both yes. of these teams have one game in hand at the moment, right? right. They both had their buys already. Right. So this is really game. This is game two for both of them. So we're going to start getting some answers as to who they really are. I'm. It's a little bit too early for me to jump on a BC bandwagon. They had one game where they blew the socks off of, and to be nicely, the socks off of an Edmonton team that everybody pretty much says is the bottom of the league. Although BC was uh, has also been talked about as fourth place in the West and also down in that area. And they showed that they need to be taken seriously at the very least. Whereas Toronto came out and had a not a great start against Montreal and got away with one. But they also are a team that won the East last year. So it's going to be interesting to see if where BC is at the moment. They're clearly not going to blow everybody's socks off like they did against Edmonton. But where are they when they face not Edmonton? I'm not sure about that yet, and I feel a little bit more sure about where Toronto is. Even though Toronto's going west and it's a late start, I'm saying Toronto, but hesitantly. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. If BC puts up, I don't know, 28 points or more, I'm going to I'm going to start buying stock. I'm going to start buying stock. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm with you, too, because yeah. they'll, they'll have shown that week one wasn't just a beautiful combination of circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 after seeing these eastern teams a bunch. Um, and, and watching the Owls dig themselves a two game hole. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry, you know, this, the, 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 it's early, but the crossover thing, I'm already off that bandwagon. Yeah. There's this, I mean, and so I think BC is going to be looking at these Eastern games on the rest of its schedule and going, all right, now I'm going to, now I'm going to gain some ground on Calgary and Winnipeg, you know, who I think are your other teams in the west how 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 concerned are you how much are you looking over your shoulder uh at calgary at calgary they're the team to look over the shoulder about for winnipeg right now although so far saskatchewan is also has to be in that conversation because they're two and oh yeah, but beware the team that looks too good too early. Right. And that kind of feels like what the riders have done yep. over the past few years. Yeah. Is they come out hot. Yeah. They've won the 
they won the West in 19, if you remember that. Sure. But it was a car crash, 12, 10, 11, and 10, I want to say. And then last year was a big to-do during Labor Day and Banjo Bowl, the two top teams in the West, and Winnipeg won the, won those pretty handily and ran yep. away with it. Yep, yep. So and that until, was it. <laughs> until there's some separation, though, you have to you have to you have to acknowledge that. Hey, especially with Saskatchewan having been in the West final the past two years, you can't you can't be overlooking them right now. Hmm. I yep. still I still don't have a great feeling about them, but they've shown at least that they're going to be around that same level as they were last year and the year before where they're going to be one of those better teams in the league. I thought all the losses on defense, all the name players they lost on defense was going to have a far larger effect than it has so far. Uh, but I guess well, we don't know. We don't know if Hamilton is uh, the Hamilton might be on the decline right now. Edmonton's Edmonton. So we really don't know yet. And again, this is why I said, Let's make some more definitive calls in about two to four weeks. But right now, Saskatchewan's a threat that has to be on it. Absolutely. Well, that was the thing, though. I mean, you just brought this to mind to me when you said that. You remember one of the knocks against the Raiders last year is that they were the oldest team in the league. You know, and maybe, maybe this is a case where, you know, it's a little bit of addition by subtraction. You know, maybe you do need to get a little bit younger uh, after a while. I mean, yeah, yep. you like the and, expertise. And the, and the but... one wild card in the CFL that the NFL does not have is that the rookie Americans that are taken don't go through any sort of draft process and are all based off of your scouting team. Mm-hmm. And whoever can get there first by putting a player on the neck list too, when that's when that's mm-hmm. a circumstance as well of the players sought after. So preseason predictions in this league are made without knowing who what that American talent is capable of and there and that's the biggest wild card in these predictions is who scouted the American talent the best yeah obviously the Canadian core is very important but we hear about that more during the offseason mm-hmm. so the American talent the new rookies are the ones that come out come out and surprise you more so than the Canadians do mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because also the Canadian rookies have been scouted, you know, their whole lives already. They're in the scouting right. combine right. that are that is talked about on CFL.ca. Right. They go and, through and, the draft process and we hear right. about and we hear from all the experts uh, from the Cana- from the Canadian side of things as to who these guys are, how they right. bought in, how they fit. So right. you have an idea of where they belong. Right. The rookie Americans that come in. Unless they're a from a top college, a top name that you know, like Vernon Adams, things Vernon Adams, and I'm thinking even, you know, others that may be slightly over, may have been slightly superly overhyped and such things, but unless they're one of those players, you don't hear about them and how they fit on the team and how they change the team until you're a couple weeks in yeah. a month or so into the season you might right. even, not even know who that new america starter is on your team yeah oh not yeah mentioned all the you others know. so if saskatchewan did as good of a job as it seems like they did in mm-hmm. filling the holes that the gainies the purifies the the micah johnson so they filled those holes with players that we don't know who they are yet but we will soon 
kudos because that's an because that's a tough job to do mm-hmm. oh yeah it's like you know you got this guy from mcneese state <laughs> you know you got this dude from you know grambling it's like you know north dakota just, state Montana. right well yeah yeah. yeah but see there's a lot of the there are farms for cfl players there oh, are absolutely. north dakota state south dakota is another one uh minnesota even minnesota's got some schools too that farm these guys up too so but uh you know i'm talking about the guys from the south that they're pulling out of these you know out of these like marginal division one schools that are just like most of us just don't pay attention to you know we got, we got no clue man it's tough to follow 200 college teams <laughs> even if you are a football fan uh right well i'm gonna i i'm i'm prematurely bullish on the bull on uh, bc i'm gonna take them in this game i i hope i suspect that they might pack the place um not only does toronto have to travel west play the late game bc's been on the break right they're at home you know so i'll take bc it's in a this good game. scenario for bc i just yeah. wish i had data that wasn't edmonton right. And yep. then well, yeah. in about two or three weeks, I'm going to be kicking myself. I, I just know it. I'm going to be kicking myself for not taking BC here. But I need a little bit more right now at this moment. No, nah, you don't want to, to agree with call. me on all these games. You don't want to agree with me on everything, right? So so you're good with Toronto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm good with it based off of the way I'm looking at things. And in about two weeks, I'm going to look at that and go, you were a... <laughs> Oh, come on. It's one, one loss in the scheme of things. Let's see. So, hmm. so you've got Montreal losing, Hamilton losing. Yeah. So you've got all the teams in the East losing. Great. This is going to be freaking nope, I got awesome. Toronto. I got Toronto winning. Oh, no, that's right. You did take Toronto. Right, Winnipeg, so. Calgary, Toronto. Yep. That, oh. that, that makes sense. <laughs> so in a way, I kind of hope you're right, but geez, I mean, we could be looking at a situation with, Toronto, no, you kind of hope, hope I go two and two because that means yeah, Montreal yeah. is one and Toronto. Is I want to win. I want to win. I want to go four and oh. <laughs> uh, but we could be looking at a situation where Toronto is one and one, Montreal and Hamilton are oh and three, and, and Ottawa is oh and two. Jesus, brutal. Well, you know what? At least we were at the only ones talking up the east this year oh no not even close not even close and it's still early so things could still turn around but i don't know yeah I, I don't like i don't like hamilton very much and toronto doesn't have a very very easy schedule here uh going forward i mean they get uh winnipeg in week four you know so toronto is yeah they did not uh the schedule makers did not take it easy on the argos Right. Okay. So let's get out of here. Any any fantasy advice you want to give us there, champ? <laughs> uh, don't spend a ton of money at running backs this week. But that's pretty much my fantasy advice all together. So okay. All things being equal, I know you're going to talk about data points and all that. But I mean, do you think that there's going to be a lot of points in the Toronto BC game? I mean, BC seems to have an offense. I think there's some. I couldn't tell you how many. I don't 
that's the problem you're ta- you're asking me about data points it's like i'm thinking trying to think analytically but without numbers in front of me so mm-hmm. right uh, I, don't yeah. okay, how, I don't really know what the average is as far as points go i do think there will be more points in toronto and bc than there would be in hamilton winnipeg how about mm-hmm. that but yeah, that's because yeah. i don't think hamilton's going to do much against winnipeg's defense right right yeah last week I loaded up on Saskatchewan. I think I had the defense and three so-called skill players. Uh, this week, I've got the Winnipeg defense and two so-called skill players from Winnipeg. Although I might go both the running backs as well in this game. I because mean, really, it, the, the core of what I've done so far in fantasy is go cheap at running back unless you can somehow find a way to flex a guy in because you've gone so cheap everywhere else. Uh, Carrie did nice nicely for me in week one, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Go cheap on running back cool. and see how many players you can load up against Edmonton realistically without blowing your budget. Yeah, actually, I think now that I think about it, I think I also loaded up on Calgary this week too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that might be a good pick. Um, actually, Bo might not be the most expensive quarterback out there. I think Fajardo is still he the is most not. expensive. No, actually, Adams is even more expensive than uh, than most. Which is about. preposterous. They, well, they, especially since he's not going to be playing. Exactly. They'll adjust that. They'll adjust that after he, next week. Yeah, <laughs> after he's got the clipboard in his hands again. I, I'm telling you, don't pick Fajardo this week. I think Montreal defense is going to do some damage. All right, Joe, let's get out of here. Last words of wisdom. <laughs> uh sit back and enjoy we're gonna start yeah. getting some answers to yeah these, uh, i like at least a couple of these soon. games this week i'm sure i will be broken hearted at the end of saskatchewan montreal but and hopefully not broke after that <laughs> no i'm not betting that game i'm not betting that game i'm gonna bet the winnipeg game i think and i'm, I'm really looking forward to this toronto bc game i'm uh yeah i think that could be fun especially again if bc sells out come on guys Come on. Love your team. You could be the surprise team in the Great Cup this year, PC. Right. Let's close it off. I'm Oz Davis. And for my co-host, Joe Pritchard, this has been the Rouge White and Blue CFL podcast. Enjoy the games. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 